0: Hello everyone and welcome back to our Western Ag Network Fence Lines and Headlines program. I'm Lane Nordland. Thanks for joining us here today on YouTube, Facebook Live, or if you're listening to the audio portion of the Lancaster Ag Podcast, we just appreciate you joining us here as we go through a few of these stories and what's on our mind here today. And joining us today from the home studio there in Billings, Montana, where he calls home, Mr. Russell Nimitz, and uh, Russell, you, you've kind of had a week, so uh, I hope I hope things are kind of tampering down just a little bit on on for the family.
1: Well, absolutely. In addition to covering some of the biggest headlines in agriculture this week, our oldest daughter kind of threw us a curveball on Tuesday night and went and broke her right forearm of all things, and you and I were joking before we started the program that just because our last name ends in Z doesn't mean that her arm should necessarily look like one. But anyways, uh, yeah, kind of a painful moment there on Tuesday night, but uh, she was awful strong and awful brave. And uh, she's all casted up now in a beautiful purple cast. And uh, anyway, she's healed up and she's back at school. And Although she's going to have to take a little bit of a break from some of her uh, competitive uh, sporting events like competition dance and martial arts and whatnot. But anyways, thanks for uh, thanks for thinking of us uh, during this past week. Kind of a scary deal, though, when you have your Uh. when your children walk in with uh, obviously a little bit more than a bump or a bruise or even a minor fracture for that matter
0: yeah that those trampolines <laughs> they they catch up with folks I, I don't even want to look at one my back hurts to tell you the oh, truth but kind, kind of know. you know what else hurts russ i uh what i so i'm in a fantasy football team league and uh <laughs> the last few years i've done decent like yeah top three or four i think i i, I got second one year but uh yeah i uh i i changed my name of that and i haven't changed my username i'm not going to share what my username used to be by the way but uh, <laughs> my current name is Owen four so hopefully i can keep that streak <laughs> going because what why break it now you know uh, that uh, yeah I, so at least the catalogs I are never, really good
1: yeah i i have never really gotten into fantasy football i've never even been invited to a league or even to participate for that matter but you know, it looks a lot of, like a lot of fun. I know a lot of folks are doing it, and um, yeah, I, I, uh, I commend you guys for for powering through week by week and oh, I, I'm injury and all that sort of thing.
0: I mean, I am on like I'm I'm on like E coasting down the hill with no fuel. That, that's <laughs> what I feel like. But hey, um, uh, we we are going to talk about fuel today. Uh, Russ has a, a great story about canola and renewable fuel. Uh, but a few of those other headlines we're going to talk about here today include the Speaker of the House and the. Uh, work that's now going to have to go into finding a new Speaker of the House and how that's going to impact agriculture. That's going to be uh, a, a few of our talking points here today, but also we are going to catch up with our network's very own Rachel Gable. Not only is she a great on-air talent and writer for uh, the Fence Post Magazine and we here at the Western Egg Network, but she's also a children's writer and she is uh, uh, just debuting her Fifth book that she's written it is called the kindergarten cattleman or cowman excuse me kindergarten cowman and so i'm going to catch up with rachel here on the latter half of today's fence lines and headlines but uh uh, of course speaker of the house going to be a big topic but uh, as i mentioned renewable fuel russell um a lot of people think fuel and they obviously think oil and, and fossil fuels but uh There's some crops out there that uh, go pretty good at uh, producing renewable fuel.
1: That is right. And uh, to go along with what you just said, I mean, we are seeing more and more farmers, including those right here in Western Egg Network country, adding new crops into their traditional cropping rotations. And one of those is canola. And this past week, I had the opportunity to catch up with a couple of gentlemen who know a thing or two about cropping systems and how to market them and and all the agronomic and financial benefits that go along with them. Uh, Andrew Moore, the president of the U.S. Canola Association. We also talked with Columbia Grain International's Chief Executive Officer, Jeff Van Pevenage about why there's so much interest these days about adding canola into their cropping rotation.
2: Farmers are interested in moving in a direction that changes the scope of what they're doing in agronomy and production practices. And so trying to add value in, in rotation, add value in, in less or changing up um, crop protection products is important. So adding in that broadleaf into a rotation with cereal grains is extremely important across the U.S.
1: Columbia Grain Chief Executive Officer, Jeff Van Pebenij says that in addition to the agronomic benefits, There's also financial benefits to raising canola and they want to help growers maximize that return on investment.
0: Yes, we want to be there to help support them, show them how to grow it, show them how to market it, what's the market looking for. Um, We want to be able to have open discussions about how to increase the acres and how to change your rotations around. Our job out there is really to bring markets to growers and show them what consumers want.
1: Moore says, helping to drive the demand for canola acres across America is the need for more biofuels.
2: So what we've seen is a big, a recent growth in demand for renewable fuels. Um, And since uh, the mandate has changed for the RIN, I believe it was RFS, uh, for allowing canola oil to be used in uh, renewable fuels is that we've seen that Adding that canola crop is going to increase the amount of renewable fuels that can be produced across the country.
1: Van Peveney says that farmers need risk management tools like crop insurance for canola to help encourage more planted acres.
0: One of the things that we're working on is having those discussions with our uh, lawmakers, legislatures, how to push to get those items out there for farmers to be able to get the insurance and grow them. Um, We're certainly willing to stand by with farmers every day and fight for things that make agriculture better.
1: And indeed, it is certainly very exciting to see more and more farmers adopting these new crops into their traditional cropping rotations, not just for the agronomic benefits, but also for the financial benefits and to see things like canola in our landscapes uh, here in Western Ag Network country, in addition to all those great pulses and cereal grains that were known not just here at home, but around the world for. Stay with us, we're gonna have more on fence lines and headlines, but first, these messages from Ag Risk Advisors.
3: Ready for a real PRF partner?
1: He was willing to track us for a year and provide that data back to us for a year That's a guy making a pretty big investment.
3: At Ag Risk Advisors, this isn't our first rodeo. We are one of the most experienced in pasture rangeland forage. Honesty, commitment, trust. Many companies use these words. At Ag Risk Advisors, we earn them.
0: As we come back to today's fence lines and headlines, obviously Russ, we're going to talk about the situation out in Washington, DC, but I, I did just want to give a shout out to one of our viewers. Uh, I got an email a few, uh, few days ago from a viewer there in Thermopolis, Wyoming. And you know, you and I get a lot of emails and sometimes uh, a lot of the time it's people don't listen or, or, or hear what you're saying and they and they need to have their opinion heard. But uh I just wanted to give a shout out to Reese Reddy there in Thermopolis. He runs the office there for Western land sales, he and his family do. And, and he was worried a few weeks ago we didn't have a fence lines and headlines, but uh, we had to take the weekend off because you and I were spread too thin. But uh, uh, we appreciate uh, Reece, uh tuning in and sharing it. And we appreciate getting some, some nice, kind words from viewers now and then. So we just uh, want to give a shout out to, to, to him yeah. down in Thermopolis here today. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's nice to get a compliment sometimes, Russ. Yeah,
1: well, well, absolutely. And then also just let folks know, you know, we aren't the ones that are controlling or, you know, dictating what the cattle and grain markets are doing. Just because we report them doesn't mean we're necessarily in charge of them or why they're doing what they're doing. So we're just, you know, sometimes the unfortunate messenger when things aren't going in the right direction. Well, I,
0: I, I, when the cattle prices are historically high, I take credit for that, though.
1: Yeah, I know you do. I know. And that's okay.
0: I, but when they're Wait. low, that's, that's not me.
1: Yeah. So, Speaking um, of something that's not going in the right direction, how about the chaos, if you will, uh, in Washington, D.C. this past weekend and, and the removal in the unprecedented event, the removal of a sitting Speaker of the House in Congress?
0: Yeah, that, uh, that, that shocked uh, a lot of people. Uh, as I, as I mentioned, uh, in uh, a detailed uh, report that I did on this again, we're not sharing our opinions on this. We are just sharing agriculture's reaction to this. And, uh, As the nation looks out to to Washington, D.C., of course, uh, eight House Republicans joined 208 Democrats in the House of Representatives uh, this past week to remove Representative Kevin McCarthy from California from the House speakership. And farmers or ranchers are asking, how is this going to impact the progress of the 2023 Farm Bill? We have yet to see the FDA and USDA uh, spending bills for the next year uh, voted on in Congress yet. And so uh, I I spoke with uh, several leaders in agriculture this week, and uh, one of them was Cam Corral, CEO of the National Potato Council. And uh, he says that MPC, along with all agriculture groups, are watching the situation very closely.
4: This is legitimately unprecedented. It's never happened in the history of the country. So we've had a speaker removed from office. And I, I think everyone's trying to grapple with what, what, what does that mean for, for the spending bill? We've got a government shutdown that has only been put off. Uh, another uh, shutdown is looming just before Thanksgiving. And then we've, for, for our selfish purposes, we care a lot about a farm bill. The farm bill expired uh, on September 30th. What, what does that mean for getting a new farm bill and just running the, the, the business of running the government? Um, we've got important things like a defense authorization bill to get done, uh, keep the lights on in government. Th- this is, um, th- these are some really important questions and uh, I think everyone this morning is trying to sort out what the path forward is.
0: So who will be the next speaker and how might that decision impact the farm bill?
4: Uh, the concern that I think everybody has is uh, this was a bipartisan deal that came to the House floor uh, to keep the lights on just at 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 temporary spending levels that would get us through the next forty five days that was a red line that got the speaker removed what what will be acceptable uh, uh who will be acceptable to the to the Republicans to assume that speaker role and then what will be expect- acceptable in terms of these spending bills, appropriations bills, on an annual basis, and of course, when you're considering over a trillion-dollar farm bill for the next uh, uh, for the next four years, uh, how is that going to be received by what appears to be a very volatile uh, uh, House? We we just simply don't know the answer to either of those questions. I think the message lane for all of agriculture, if you care about getting a farm bill reauthorized is we have to be out there touting the benefits of these programs that make rural America work.
0: Quarrel says it's vital to have elected officials understand the importance of U.S. agriculture.
4: You have to get to the business of creating new farm bills, new appropriations bills that reflect the realities that we're facing, not just today, but four or five years in the future. Otherwise, you know, you're just capitulating to uh, foreign governments that wish this country and our farmers ill. And we don't wanna let that happen.
0: And from that specialty crop reaction, I also spoke with livestock industry representatives out in the nation's capital. Ethan Lane, the vice president of government affairs of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association discussed the situation, but he also expanded upon who the top candidates are at this point. That could become the next speaker of the House, and how they could impact uh, U.S. agriculture.
2: I think over the next few days, you're going to see those key candidates start to make their case for uh, leadership of the of the House Republican Conference and of the House of Representatives, and that really is, regardless of who falls into that position, what's best for agriculture here in Washington. Uh, like any other supply chain, you know, we are uh, heavily impacted by any kind of disruptions that. Uh, impact the markets impact the supply chain from uh, from gate to plate and when Congress shuts down like this or has threats to shut down um, when we lose leadership um, that that uh, uh, that uh, sort of void that's left is is always problematic so I think like everybody else here we're uh, we're watching we're listening we're giving our opinion where it's warranted and we're hoping for a quick resolution and a return to uh, a normal operating posture for the vast majority of members that aren't trying to derail congress on a daily basis and are just trying to get some work done for their constituents
0: as for the prediction of who could be the next speaker of the house and their views on agriculture
2: you know steve scalise obviously i think is at the top of a lot of people's lists uh, he's the current uh, house majority leader he's very popular uh, with his colleagues as well as with voters around the country. Jim Jordan from Ohio uh, is another name uh, who has announced this morning that he does intend to run for Speaker of the House. Also uh, uh, entertains a lot of popularity in the House Republican Conference. Um, he has a close relationship with uh, with the former Speaker McCarthy as well. Um, so I, I think those are probably your two top candidates at the moment. Um, you know, either of those would be solid uh, candidates for agriculture. Jim Jordan, obviously, is a, is a very conservative member, um, but has proven himself to also be uh, a conservative that understands the need to govern.
0: Do the chairs of the House uh, committees have anything to worry about uh, w- with the new speaker coming in? W- would that be a move that potentially could impact the, the current chairs of uh, the committees? You know, obviously, I'm thinking agriculture, but uh, natural resources, or, or is that the feeling that they're going to remain the same?
2: I, yeah, I don't envision any of that being disrupted. I could, I could be completely wrong, uh, but I. I I don't envision that being a real problem. I, I think whoever takes this speaker's gavel is gonna be focused on, on showing stability, on showing continuity, on reassuring voters, reassuring uh, you know, donors, quite frankly, to the Republican Party, um, that all is well and that the ship is moving forward in, a, in an expeditious manner. Um, and I think that's gonna be the focus of, of everybody's efforts. I, I can't imagine anybody wanting to start disrupting committee chairmanships in the middle of all this.
0: So I tell you what, Russ. Uh, a, a lot of what ifs over the next few days and weeks, and uh, as both Cam and uh, Ethan discussed, the the priority right now is to get the funding bills uh, pushed through. Not not only for USDA and FDA, but defense, uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, vital to the nation as well. So it's going to be interesting to really watch uh, how House members choose uh their next speaker how many ballots it's going to take and uh, i know cam corals is more optimistic that he said that he's going to remain optimistic that a farm bill can be passed in 2023 but uh uh, just the reality of it uh it's probably going to be get pushed into 2024 um a lot of unknowns but uh getting a speaker in place will be vital just uh just for these programs and, and the government to be functioning
1: You know, what's really interesting, I mean, there's always been a divide in Congress uh, since the beginning of of government between, you know, the parties and and whatnot. But isn't it interesting these days, especially in the 21st century, how we're not just seeing division between, let's say, the Republicans and the Democrats, but we've really started to see uh, an obvious division within the parties, in this case, more specifically, like the Republican Party. And, you know, these types of decisions, holy cow, I mean, they're, they're impacting, uh, you know, a lot of Americans, obviously, but a lot of very important industries out there, you know, not just about funding, you know, and passing new bills like a new farm bill, but like you mentioned, Lane, I mean, just funding existing and very important programs, whatever they might be, that impact millions of Americans.
0: Yeah, very much so. And for those uh, watching or listening uh, to our fence lines and headlines, I have about a 30, 35 minute long uh, conversation with both these agriculture uh, leaders out in Washington, D.C., the National Potato Council and the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Uh, You can find that here on our YouTube or Facebook channels and on the Lane Cast Egg podcast. We obviously go into more depth on on the conversation Going on out in our nation's capital. And uh, uh, from there, Russ, uh, before we take a break, uh, coming up next, I'm going to sit down with uh, Rachel Gable. She's a part of the Western Ag Network team and, of course, a part of the Fence Post Magazine team. And she has published her fifth book. It is called The Kindergarten Cowman. And it is about a story. Of uh, one of those young farm and ranch kids that is heading off to kindergarten and uh, what they'll need to go through when they, they can't be out checking cows with dad mom or grandpa uh rachel's uh R- rachel just has a way of being able to put these stories together so stick around friends after these messages uh, i'll have my conversation with our network's rachel gable and her new book the kindergarten Cowman.
4: when it comes to the beef business there's no room for gray area The decisions being made in Washington affect the future of the beef industry, the livelihood of your fellow farmers and ranchers. Your National Cattlemen's Beef Association knows there's what benefits cattlemen and there's what doesn't. Visit ncba.org to learn more. Well, as we
0: come back here to the Western Ag Network, uh, I am looking forward to the guests that we're going to have on this portion of our Fence Lines and Headlines conversation. That's because we are going to be joined by one of our teammates, uh, the very own Rachel Gable, of course, uh, with the Western Ag Network and the Fence Post Magazine. And uh, uh, Rachel, we're going to be talking about your fifth book that is getting published. And of course, uh, you love educating folks about agriculture and sharing the story. Uh, but before we jump into your new book and releasing the name of its uh, new title, h- how are things going down in Colorado today? What, what are some of the, uh, the beats that you're following or have followed this past week?
3: Oh gosh, there's lots going on down here as always. Uh, lots to talk about. Luckily the legislative session is not back in yet, so it's not completely bananas, but they're getting warmed up. Um, of course, a lot of talk about the Colorado River and um, the debate between the upper and lower basin states about whether or not to redo the compact. Um, Coming up, there's a mountain lion ban that might be coming onto the ballot, uh, same way that the wolves got onto the ballot through uh, gathering signatures from, uh, from voters to determine if they want that on the ballot. And really nothing good has come from that way but here we are again they ran it through legislation last year and it didn't pass so they're taking another stab at it this year and then uh uh out of CSU there's quite a bit happening there's some talks about perhaps creating a mid-level practitioner uh that's not a DVM but like a master's graduate vet practitioner and of course a new temple grandin documentary coming out so those are the big ones
0: well, again, uh, we'll continue to uh, share those stories. Rachel, of course, uh, sharing the stories out of Colorado and that surrounding region uh, on the Western Ag Network uh, multimedia channels. But uh, we, we want to take some time here today to, to highlight some of Rachel's other work. Of course, she educates farmers, ranchers, and uh, tries to influence Colorado voters in, in writing and in, in talking about agriculture. But as a part of that uh, agriculture education uh, footstool or uh, milking stool, maybe we'll call it, uh, you've written five books uh, for people to enjoy, and uh, this fifth book, I, I'm going to just share the screen here. the uh, The kindergarten cowman is the the title. I see your little boy is on there as well in that image, but. Uh, what, what is this uh, publication? True, Obviously, it's going to be centered around a younger producer sharing about agriculture. But I guess what inspired you to, to sit down and write The Kindergarten Cowman?
3: Well, The Kindergarten Cowman is, is just a fun one. And if you've got kids at home that are, uh, you know, born to ranch and forced to go to school, <laughs> then <laughs> this is going to be a good fit for them. He is kind of growing throughout the year alongside his calves. Uh, from the time the first calf hits the ground and they're, they're feeding and tagging and vaccinating and doing all of those things that we all do through the course of a year. And uh, they're both growing and they're both uh, getting what they need. And, and when fall rolls around, you know, it's weeding time for the calves. And this particular fall means kindergarten for this little cow man. So uh, he discovers that there are, in fact, no cows at kindergarten. And he is expected to hold still all day. <laughs> so uh he has to to give some thought to uh whether those calves are ready to move forward and whether he's ready to move forward as well
0: so obviously rachel when when you uh get that spark of creative uh uh interest when when you're thinking about writing a book like this can, can, can i just assume that your little boy was maybe the inspiration for this to to maybe help uh uh, share the story of being a, a farmer ranch kid that has to head to town to, to go to school.
3: <laughs> yep, absolutely. My first book was actually called Kindergarten Rancher and it was about a little girl who didn't really want to go to kindergarten and her teacher and her dad kind of had to convince her that there are some skills learned in kindergarten that ranchers do need to know. So this was certainly a follow-up and my kids have no idea that not every kid gets a book. <laughs> so they, they think that's, that's what happens. You know, you, you go to the dentist, you get a book, you, you do those things. Everybody does. So it's a fun one. And, um, the other books have been used for Colorado ag in the classroom. So they're a lot of fun and they're accurate ag books, but those are really used to educate. You know, my kids don't like them because they're too educational, but um, this one is cute. And it talks about all the different colors and breeds and and things like that. So it's it's more of one that you'll want to read at bedtime and maybe not skip pages on.
0: <laughs> well, I, I think my two year old will love this book when we get it for her, because anything with cows or horses, she's uh, she's going to maybe I should bring myself on screen there. Uh, she's she's all in for that. So I, I'm going to look forward to getting this ordered. But uh, I guess, Rachel, when, when you go out on a, a venture like this, uh, who, who do you partner with uh, to, to help uh, get these books uh, on, on the on the coffee side table or in the nursery, uh, I, I guess, what are some of those partners in agriculture you work with uh, to help uh, share the agriculture story to folks?
3: Well, you bet. Well, one of the most important uh, partners that I have is Lynn Bandman, Liz Banman Munster-Tiger. And she's my illustrator and designer and has been through, the, through all of the books, with the exception of Kindergarten Rancher. But this particular book, I was really excited because I got to partner with Logan County Cattlewomen. Of course, Logan County is home to Sterling Livestock and all of the things up there in Sterling and northeastern Colorado. And, you know, our members are all over northeastern Colorado, but they do a lot of work. Um, You know, they came into existence during the whole polis meet-out mess. And so they are very successful in partnering with schools and families and getting the word out they have a huge heifer feeding contest every year to raise funds they've donated eight thousand dollars just they've only existed since 2001 and they've already uh, donated eight thousand dollars in scholarships for kids that want to go into ag or into trade school and they do a a flat rancher initiative and so this book is going to be part of that flat rancher initiative so that uh, kids and adults, they they presented to some legislators last week about all the different byproducts from cattle. So they really do a great job, and, and I'm glad that they're choosing the book to be part of it
0: now when you say flat rancher i know we were talking about it earlier i made fun of myself because uh, i am just a, a bean pole truly like toy story woody in real life i have no butt no chest i'm just a string bean so i could be the flat rancher in real life probably but is the flat rancher like a piece of paper is that is that what that is it's not just yep. a scrawny old lane is it
3: well he he i mean there's some <laughs> resemblance lane there's some resemblance <laughs> cause his hat's not as good looking as yours, but. Um, it's so, a Greeley
0: hat, it's out of, well, straight out of Greeley, there you go. Well, you,
3: yeah, you and, and all <laughs> the cast of Yellowstone and everybody, anybody who's anybody. Uh, so, <laughs> the Flat Rancher is the paper one and the kids get to uh, decorate it and color it. And then it actually goes out with one of the members of the Logan County Cattle Women's Association and gets to go spend some time at their operation and take some photos and some videos and then actually get to send the flat rancher back to the kiddo with some pictures and questions answered and and that sort of thing. Because even out in these rural areas, there's a lot of kids that are really far removed from production agriculture. And we want them, you know, we don't wanna force beef or livestock on them, but if they're gonna choose not to partake, we don't want them to do it for the wrong reasons and for the wrong information. So that's, that's an exciting, uh, an exciting task and one that's really necessary, especially here in Colorado now.
0: And Rachel, how important is it for farmers and ranchers to, and for so long, I know we've heard that and it's kind of faded out at all these meetings where we had that round of about 10 years of speakers coming. You got to tell your story. You got to share your story. And and that can be difficult because there's so many different ways in which a person can share their their story. I, I enjoy how you share your story every day on the ranch with the bios of all your cows. That's a unique way to engage with producers and consumers alike. But some producers, they, they just can't do it or they don't have the time and there's and they know there's people that tell the story better than they can. So how important is it for producers to maybe make an investment, make a donation to these livestock associations or groups that are truly just trying to put agriculture education at the top of a list to to help educate consumers and rural citizens alike.
3: Absolutely. I mean, a, a membership in whether it's NCBA or CICA or, you know, pick an acronym, that's the cheapest lobbying you will ever pay for. And they're gonna be at the capital, whether that's in Denver, DC, wherever, and they're gonna be working for what farmers and ranchers and ag producers are are potentially very deeply affected by. So it's it's a small investment. And then of course, groups like cattle women, gosh, even if you make a small investment, they can turn around and, and put that into books and get those in kids' hands. They can do all sorts of things with it. We uh, gosh, there's just so many so many things that can be done. I there's quite a few people will actually order books from me and have me sign it to different libraries. And so that's where those end up is in the actual libraries of these schools that may not have those ag books. We want to make sure that they have books that they can see themselves in, not just um, video game playing babysitter club stuff and and certainly not bulls walking around on two legs with an udder between their legs. We need some, some, (laughs) I think it's important for these kids to see themselves in those books and to see those ranches and to know that that's important. It's as important for those ranch kids to see that as it is for the, the kids that are removed. And you know, you mentioned those cow bios, Lane. They are completely ridiculous. And I spoke not too long ago over on the West Slope about the cow bios. I post them Monday through Friday and they're just making fun of, myself usually and it just has a, a picture of the cow so it has really nothing to do with the cow but the community that we have created from that is just incredible and it's all over the country and it's just people that women mostly that really just come together in in being reminded of something funny or hearing a funny story and you know if you would ask, well how are you going to tell your story well i'm a writer that's how i tell my story and i'm a farm broadcaster but I never would have said, well, you know, I'm going to make up a ridiculous story about a cow and I'm going to post it on Facebook every day. I just did that being a smart aleck and it stuck. So I'm still doing it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I get a kick out of them. And and of course, I salute you and all your endeavors of, of telling agriculture story, but also uh, this agriculture education side of it as well. And I'm sure that you no, know, we probably have some uh, viewers or, or listeners wondering. How they can order the kindergarten cowman? Uh, well, how can they go about that? Is it a pre-order deal? Or, and uh, are we going to get them in time for Christmas or in a few weeks?
3: Yeah, they they should actually be here in a couple of weeks, and so all the pre-orders will be signed and sent out. So I'm hoping to get them all shipped in October, and then they're so they're available on my website, which is just rachelgable.com. And, uh, you can follow me on all of the social media for all of my cow ridiculousness on at Rachel Wrights on any of those platforms, R-A-C-H-E-L. And, um, of course on Amazon and I usually keep them out at feed stores and sale barns and, and places like that too. So, um, yep. We'll have them all stocked up and ready to go and ready for Christmas.
0: Uh, do you have them at the state capitol there in colorado
3: you know i make sure that the governor's mansion and his office both get a fence post magazine though i have not sent him the books i may have to do that you know i'm I'm kind of persona persona non grata with that crowd so (laughs) i don't don't know
0: Well, uh, some of us have reading levels that probably fall in line with that. Uh, so so maybe 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 having them on the rotunda floor or something might be good for elected officials.
3: Maybe <laughs> so <those> like it's <laughs> not a it's not a bad idea. Lots of pictures, smaller words. <laughs> We can do this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I said, not all of us read very good. So, <laughs> uh, Rachel, I'll let you get back to your day because I, I I know you got to go. Uh, uh, got a lot ahead of you here today. But just hey, any last thoughts before before I uh, I set you loose?
3: Well, you know, I just appreciate all these folks that are tuning in to us on Western Ag Network and tuning in to your local cattlemen's group or your cattlewomen's group or or wherever that is, and, and I would encourage you to stay involved and stay hooked in. They're, they're not gonna pass a snake to you or anything. It's too cold for that anyway right now. But they'll, they'll, uh, you can find your, your jam there and you can do what, what suits you. And no one's going to make you go out and tell your story. You don't have to be the crazy person at the meat counter hijacking people that are looking at ground beef. <laughs> you, can, you can tell your story however you want to. And uh, I think it's just important that you, you help those, those groups and those people that you believe in do what they do best.
0: Well, again, Rachel Gable, of course, our teammate here on the Western Ag Network, and of course, a great asset there at the Fence Post Magazine, and uh, uh, you can, order that copy of Kindergarten Cowman. I'm going to get one ordered for my daughter as well, because I I know she's going to enjoy that. And you can check out those other four books that Rachel has authored as well at rachelgable.com. But with that, Rachel, I'll let you get back to your day. And I appreciate everything you do for us here, but everything you do for Colorado and Western agriculture as a whole.
3: Of course, of course, I wouldn't turn down an opportunity to be a part of what started out right here in Colorado is the Evan Slack Network.
0: That's true. And uh, we'll continue to have our ratings go higher, higher along with those prices as well. Well, Russell, like I said, in my conversation with Rachel that uh, these children's book are about my caliber of uh, reading material (laughs) um, and for politicians as well, maybe. Um, Uh, So my suggestion of maybe sending them to elected officials in Colorado, um, you know, they might learn something about agriculture too.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's fun to see one of our teammates uh, be able to do something like this. In our weekly news meeting, uh, Rachel just kind of nonchalantly brought up the fact that uh, Kindergarten Cowman was about ready to, to hit the countryside, so to speak. And we were kind of all blown away by the fact that, you know, she, she told us she had written a book and then she's kind of under her own breath. She's like, well, this is actually my fifth book. <laughs> we're just like, holy cow, but... Uh, She's an incredible writer. She's uh, a very, very good author, uh, obviously, to be able to put together something like this, in addition to her uh, outstanding journalistic abilities, not just for the Fence Post magazine, but of course for us as well. So uh, when are you going to publish your autobiography, Russell? It's a pretty short... It's a (laughs) short version. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm still... I'm still working out the, the rough draft. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Should
0: I just write a biography of your life? Would (laughs) would that be more appropriate?
1: I I would be scared to death to have somebody else write a story about me, but who knows?
4: Well,
0: I've always envisioned that you're going to have a bronze in Billings, Montana, like the late great Lonnie Bell or uh, (laughs) you know, a huge, uh, uh, yeah. dj in country music history and and of course longtime billings montana resident uh it was always great working with lonnie and talking with lonnie but i envision that they're gonna have a st- You guys are about the same height so they could put those statues <laughs> right next to each other but you might have to wear a polyester suit to really complement each Ooh, other
1: yeah well um you know it's all about expanding your horizons right i mean yeah. uh uh I don't even know what to say. I, I, the word polyester just scares the heck out of me. Oh, just like your well, monitor in yeah, the back. Yeah, your, your, your on TV
0: you. turned off. That, that was saying we need to wrap this show up. But, hey, we should give a quick preview, Russ. I know that uh, you and, and our videographer, Paul, Paul Humphrey, were able to catch up with uh, friends there at the Montana Pro Rodeo Hall Wall of Fame. Uh, and that's going to be a segment coming up this next week on our, on the road series. So, uh, check that out friends and, uh, in a few days, and, uh, we'll probably have more of a recap as well next Sunday, but uh, just be aware of that if, uh, you at midweek, uh, coming up in a few days, you could tune into that.
1: Yeah. A lot of, uh, you know, hall of famers out there in the countryside, in the rodeo world, both men and women. And, and as you mentioned, we're going to catch up with a few of them and, uh, share some of their great stories about, how the rodeo industry has changed their lives and changed a lot of folks' lives. Uh, uh, not just for the sport of rodeo itself, but you know, a lot of these, these men and women are, are some of the world's best athletes as well.
0: Very much true. Well, Russ, we look forward to seeing that and maybe having a recap on our next fence lines and headlines. Uh, with that, uh, the TV was telling us it was time to shut down. So, uh, 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 You can keep drinking, but you can't stay here, as I think what they say when the bar closes. (laughs) But uh, we appreciate you joining us here today, as always, on Fence Lines and Headlines. On behalf of the entire Western Ag Network crew, I'm Lane Northland. We'll catch you next time.